For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are here, we are making it happen, and I will just come out and say this is hands down the most selfish episode I have done on Screaming from the Sidelines to this point. But, hear me out, it's March, I'm wearing a headband, I'm all in the mode of basketball, and the Big West Tournament is happening to try to get to the NCAA Tournament, which is just going to be insane for a million schools around the country, so whether you're a fan of the Gauchos or not, this is the time to just dive into it and have a lot of fun. And I got two guests with me who I go way back with. Been in this broadcasting thing for a while. The first one I'll point to is the guy who was running the ship when I first got into all this crazy radio stuff. He's wearing his Boston Red Sox hat. He is the voice of the Gauchos on ESPN for many, many sports. And his name is Max Kelton. He takes a lot of pride in what he does, as he should. And I would like to welcome you, Mister uh, Greg. A total pleasure, as always. Um, and hey, I'm stoked. This is what I love to do. I love to talk about not just UCSB athletics, but Big West athletics, and what these what these student athletes leave out there on on the floor is to me. I I find that to be inspirational. And hey, it gets me jazzed talking about it in Mar in March. This is the best time of the year. Anything can happen. Anyone can rip into dance mode and uh, send send them themselves to the tournament. So now if it, it, it's a better time than any to, to get into it, get into the weeds, and start talking about what can happen come NCAA tournament time. Absolutely. Uh, the next guy that I would like to point to is somebody who is now in the position I was just a year ago. Uh, Nate Soth, who helped run the ship with me this last year, and I went to watch them play at UC Davis on a road game. But this guy's been there for all the home games. Radio, play-by-play, multimedia god, guy that just learns on the fly. And Max, you talk about a guy that loves to talk. That's this other man right here. He's kept quiet, taking all his strength to do so. It's Cameron Curland. Welcome as well. Yeah, I mean, you talk about, like, once again, thanks for having me on. But you, you talk about, you know, you talk about that you're big on the Big West. I'm pretty much everything Gauchos. I've, I've been to every single, aside from like two games, I've been to every single home game, like this entire year, uh, broadcast or, or doing Instagram or, or whatnot. But it's, it's really been interesting for me this whole season, you know, just watching the growth of these teams and seeing all the things that they've went through. Like, I mean, we're going to talk a bit, we're going to talk a lot about the men's team, but we're also going to talk about the women's team, especially the women's team. I mean, it, I, I just have to already say my favorite moment from the season just had to be that first quarter of the UCLA game and just the the electricity like when they talk about the Thunderdome like that's really what the Thunderdome was like it was a 20 to 4 start and it was just it was just so much fun but really all year it's just been it's been so fun in the Thunderdome just covering both of these teams yeah both of you have 
a bunch of hands-on awesome memories from this year, more so than myself, and that's why we're going to bridge the gap together. And it's actually a good place to start because I do want out of this episode, I want people who are Santa Barbara natives or UCSB students or people who have some kind of connection to the university to be able to get into basketball heading into this week and start just jumping on the bandwagon right now trying to be part of this beautiful journey that is trying to get to the NCAA tournament. And so this is sort of our Gaucho Hoops 101 package, as I'll put it on the bottom of the screen right now. Max, I'll start with you. If you were to describe to your girlfriend everything you could about UCSB before you just completely lose her attention to get into this next week, where are you starting with? What's the package? First things first, when you get into March, everybody wants to go dancing. The goal is to play in the NCAA tournament. And in order for UCSB to play in the NCAA tournament, they have to win the Big West tournament. For bigger conferences like the Pac-12, the SEC, the ACC, you can get automatic bids by playing against better teams during the season. And that resume that you build up during the season will allow you to maybe make a case for yourself to make it to the NCAA tournament and a chance at a national title, even if you don't come away victorious in your conference tournament. In the Big West, however, totally different story. Because it's a mid-major, because the non-conference schedule is as prolific as some of the Power Five conferences, Only one team makes it to the dance. So the key is those three days in March. For both the men's and women's side, if you can make it throughout that tournament and win the Big West tournament, that's your Super Bowl. Because then you get a chance to play in the dance and show the world what you can do. So I I like to think of it as, hey, you're playing on a smaller scale for a chance at a bigger scale, just like most people in life do, you know, and you want the opportunity to elevate not just your craft, but the publicity of the program too. So UCSB has a chance to play at the highest level against the best teams in the country, but they have to be terrific over the next three days. It's the sixth year head coach, Joe Pasternak, who has been at the helm. It's his best season during his six year tenure. And this is a guy who's, who's up for a lot of power five jobs himself. He could be making next year near about $2 million a year if he moves over to a Power 5 school like Cal. So that gives you an idea of, hey, what's at stake right here? His resume continues to build as well. And UCSB has a very senior and tenured team with a ton of skill. They are poised to make a Big West run, but they have to be the champions to continue their season. Love it. Straight to the point. Joe Pasternak, franchise record or program record, I guess, as we say in college, 24 wins that he secured yesterday. Uh, Obviously on the woman's side, Bonnie Henriksen has done a terrific job with these girls as well. Cameron, you've done a lot of games over the last three years. This year, you took a larger role and observed the team at an even closer level than you already were. Talking about the men's team specifically, They were co-champions with UC Irvine. That's been a good recent rivalry ever since we've been a part of this. What else do people need to know heading into the week about this team after all you've observed in the past few months? Well, when you really talk about the play on the court, get ready to be high above the rim. 
you know, you talk about two players on this team that are always playing well above the rim on both sides of the ball. Josh Pierre-Louis, Miles Norris. It, it doesn't matter what the score is. They could bring the crowd in at any moment with a big slam. We saw last night, AJ Mitchell lobbed the ball to Josh Pierre-Louis. And I mean, I don't know how Josh gets back to the to some of these balls, but he always seems to. And then Miles Norris, there's not a game that goes without him with that, that classic two-handed rim-hanging slam that he just does time and time again. We look back to last year at the Big West Tournament. He had that dunk against Irvine that was just, one of the plays of the year it's he always both of these guys just always bring such a a passion for for both the game as well as such a you know they're they're just so fun to watch it's really there's really nothing else to it they've been so fun miles norris is electric josh pierre louis is inches shorter than him and can somehow jump higher uh, I remember Max actually told me last year, a quote from him was he said his favorite athlete was himself. If I was Josh Pierre-Louis, I probably would be saying the same exact thing because God, what a player he is. Um, yeah, that's a great way to put it all in a very condensed form. I mean, it's been fun. They were 20 and four at one point, I think, before dropping a couple. So this is a team where as far as mid-major schools go, they are right there with the best of the best. Now, a lot of what makes March Madness is the fan element, the school spirit, and just the all-around insanity. Cameron, you already alluded to the Thunderdome and what it means to be playing in an environment like the Thunderdome. Max, I know we've had some back and forths on some crazy moments, including a little bit of a fight between UC Davis and UC Santa Barbara. But as far as fan moments go, crowd moments go, I know you've had a lot of experience in this. Is there anything from this year in particular that stuck out to you? Well, I talk about the culture, right? And when I, when I got to UCSB back in 2016, this was a losing program, a program that had really not seen wins in a while. And Joe Pasternak almost immediately took over. Right when I got there, that was the start of his run. And we started to gradually see fans attend this more more frequently, and not just the, the local folks, but the students too. And I think that that's the basis of the culture. Students attending games when there's nothing given away, when you know there's plenty else to do, but hey, they choose to go. And that's what we've been seeing a lot more frequently this year, that this Thunderdome is at full capacity, absolutely rocking. Not only is it thunder, but there's electricity inside. There's lightning. That's what's so fun about it. They, These kids are standing on surfboards. Only in Santa Barbara do you see them surf literal waves in the crowd. That's a, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I've never seen that. I've watched sports my whole life. It is a very unique environment in Santa Barbara. That said, though, this Gaucho team, they feed off of the fans. And when they play at home, they're elite. But the question is, will they be able to travel for that Big West tournament? That's in Henderson, Nevada. The upside to it being in Henderson, hey, it's a beautiful facility, right? The downside, it's far away from just about everybody else in the Big West Conference. And real question is, is it only diehards that will travel? So will those fans matter most when it comes down to it in March? Aside from that, the Thunderdome this season has been absolutely electric. So there's so much fun to call games there. Um, it's been rocking, loud, and frankly, I think it's really helped not just the culture for, you know, what they're trying to do and trying to build, but 
the record too. You know, the, it, it's led to a few wins. Yeah, awesome. And uh, just reason I had a little delay is uh, I'll just be transparent for all the listeners. Max has been cutting a little bit in and out. It shouldn't be a problem in the editing process. But if I just completely do not acknowledge something he has said, uh, that is the purpose of using a new tool that we're getting to learn right now. So um, I have no idea. I have no doubt that whatever you said about the fans was just awesome. I caught about half of it. And uh, Cameron. <laughs> Cameron, this is funny because as KCSB people, we have dealt with so many technological issues that, of course, this is fitting. It's happening right now. Um, back to the fans and some of your experiences. I know that you've had some new volunteers this year. The content has just blown up at times. Great work in the digital and social space in particular, because that's what I see from afar. What has been... What have been some of your favorite memories? If we're just talking about environment, fans, crowd, Thunderdome, all of it. So for my first example that I want to give isn't even about the Thunderdome. It's at Harder Stadium. It was this year. It was Carson Mercier and I on the call at Harder Stadium. Cal Poly. Cal Poly's leading late in the game. And the ball just rattles around the box just enough. Finn Bowden McBride puts the ball through the net. And when I tell you that I have never heard in unison a fan base only one other time actually and that was that's going to be my second moment is the fans all in unison just like the cheer it it made my heart jump into my throat and i i almost threw up from it it was just it, it's it's a feeling that is just unmatched and the excitement and like the 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 shock that i had and it took me you know it took me such a long time after that moment just to come down for it and then like again Three years ago, right before the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, we had at the Thunderdome, Ja'Cory McLaughlin, buzzer beater, a classic. And, you know, you talk about the fan experience on the floor. It was a surreal experience for me because on the second broadcast for KCSB, we were actually at the top of the stadium. So you were looking down and you could see everybody and everybody's reactions and everybody like, you know, you just saw like this. It was almost a tremor in the stadium just how, how exciting it was and everybody, you know, starting to rush the court and, you know, the, the, the moment on the court is always so special for these, these gauchos. And we've been, I've been really spoiled in my four years here, but it's always special to see how everybody else reacts and just being able to live in that moment. And it's, it's really just, it's, it's a blessing. I think that's a pretty awesome way to put it when you just talk about cherishing the moments that we have had while covering athletics because right before the recording we also had to reminisce in pain as we do sometimes with some of the bad ones and the heartbreakers but uh again I mentioned Nate Soth earlier in this recording and he one time told me I don't think anybody is as good at reminiscing on the bad times as the KCSB crew down in Santa Barbara. So in classic <laughs> Nate fashion and Nate humor, he's kind of right though. He's got a point. Um, I mean, fan moments are always the best. I always loved, uh, in fact, I have nothing against the university of Hawaii, but on senior night last year, we were all there white out huge crowd needed that win. It's when the gauchos were starting to turn their season around. And I look into that front middle section 
where they have all the fans that Joe Pasternak so dearly loves and points to after the game. And I just say guy holding up a sign, plain whiteboard and black marker, and it just says Hawaiian pizza sucks, which was like the most plain, simple, and not even like insult to the team. It was just like, hey, this thing named after you, it doesn't taste good. Somehow was the perfect sign to put at a fan. It was very much like a college game day-esque. And so that image in my head is forever going to stick with me. I probably still have it on my phone somewhere. Um, So that's always a fun one. Uh, Let's go to AJ Mitchell because he deserves a lot of credit. Guy I just watched play last week, had zero points in the first half and finished with 20, helping the Gauchos to a four-point win. Max is frozen on my screen right now, so we're going to try to go to him in a sec. But Cameron, let me ask you, is can you see him all clear on your end? Uh, no, I can see him. He's He has a nice grin looking into the into the camera, and it, it's frozen on that. You guys okay, just – So we are going to start with you on this in hopes that Max uh, rejoins both of us. I'm glad to know it's, a, it's not just a me problem, but – AJ Mitchell is a sophomore and we have not always seen Joe Pasternak have a lot of trust in young players throughout his, his time here. He is uh, someone who really likes to hit the transfer portal. He likes experience and that's not any criticism against him. We just know that the way he coaches, it's very specific and very detail oriented. So when you have players that finally learn the system and can work the best they can in that system, that's when they're going to thrive. So A.J. Mitchell is a rare case that he came in as a freshman and immediately made an impact. Now as a sophomore, had a just tremendous year and is also a great kid. What would be your case for him as Big West Player of the Year instead of a guy like Elijah Pepper or Zion Pullen? I think that the the big difference between A.J. Mitchell and pretty much every other player in the conference is how elite his ability to facilitate the ball is, as well as another thing that comes with that playmaking aspect is setting the pace of the game. We saw, we, we've seen it throughout the year where there's times where AJ Mitchell will, he'll have 20 points in the first, in the first 25 minutes of the game. And at the end of the game, he only has 22 points. He only scored two more points, but then he ends up with eight assists and, and it's not, his goal on the court is finding the best shot on the court. And he knows that he has it in his bag to go get any shot when he needs it. But he also knows how to get the ball to his teammates at the right time. And it's it's just something that isn't isn't really, you know, isn't talked enough about. You know, we look back a couple of years ago, Ja'Cory McLaughlin. That was really what brought this team to the NCAA tournament was his ability to set the pace of the game and just being able to find his teammates at the right time. You know, you look back to that that really, you know, the, the heartbreaking play at the end of the game when Amadou so unfortunately, you know, missed that look at the rim. But what started that look was eight or was Ja'Cory McLaughlin was doubled on the wing, stepped right through the double team and kicked it to so inside. And, you know, those are plays that I, you know, AJ Mitchell, I know that he can do that. He could be the guy scoring the ball, but he can also be the guy passing the ball. Max, it's good to see you back. He's not just a frozen, beautiful smile. He is a moving, beautiful smile with a little bit of blinking here and there. So it's all good signs. His vitals are good. 
when you dipped out for a second, we were discussing AJ Mitchell and why he has a case to be the Big West Player of the Year instead of other great talents in the league like Riverside Zion Pullen or UC Davis's Elijah Pepper. You have gotten to know AJ Mitchell very well, being in the ESPN play-by-play role for two years now. Mitchell is a sophomore. Just tell me a little bit about why you would make your case for Mitchell as a player of the year. Well, I think it's very specific to the Big West. You know, to know the nuances of this this league, you have to have been following for a couple of years. So to give you an idea, a lot of the time the player of the year award goes to either one player on a team who doesn't have a lot of help or the best player on the team that wins the championship, wins the regular season title, if you will. I give AJ the nod. If he is to get the nod, it's because he is the heartbeat of the Gauchos offense and they won the regular season title. That said, you know, he is one of those players where you can never count him out. And for the first time in a while, now, Ja'Cory McLaughlin was insane. He was an insane player. But I don't remember, you know, for as long as I've been covering, a player who can close out games the way that A.J. Mitchell can close out games. When it comes to crunch time, he's able to score seemingly at will, and the ball is always in his hands. That said, though, the Gauchos are really good at getting out to a lead, closing it out with free throws, but they aren't a come-from-behind team. So moving forward, pay attention to that. that. Now, when we talk about the player of the year honor, though, AJ is one of those guys who can do it all. He might not be scoring more points than Elijah Pepper because, frankly, maybe 20 players in the nation are able to do that. Um, and he might not he might not be as important to his team as Zion Pullen is because – Riverside doesn't have as much depth as the Gauchos do, or at least halfway through the season they didn't. Um, But now we talk about, you know, AJ is one of those guys who at any time he can do something incredible, do something that, frankly, people never saw coming. And I asked him about it. I said, where did that fire come from? When it's crunch time, what clicks? And he said, well, it's my mom. You know, she raised me in this way that she had this competitive energy about her. And... When I think back to what needs to be done in the moment to be successful and to accomplish the goals that I'm, I'm willing to accomplish and, and, and what, I, what I want to get out of it, he says, I think about what my mom does and what she instilled in me. That's where he sees himself. You know, at the end of games, he, he says, hey, who am I doing this for, right? He, he's, not, he's not only doing it for the players on, on the court. He's not only doing it for Joe or the fans. He's doing it for his mama back home in Belgium. And I think that that's, that's what's so impressive about him. He's a player that, you know, is close to his roots and he can do the impossible on any given night. Yeah, that's always really inspiring to hear just the family values element of it. Uh, he did come all the way from Belgium and has been in Santa Barbara. And we're just so thankful to be able to have him and that he hasn't tried to transfer anywhere else. When I talked to him a little bit last year, he just told me how much he loves it here when he was going on a tear. I think he had back-to-back 30-point games, and that's when we started realizing that this guy was a little bit different and the way he could take over down the stretch. He is the heartbeat of the team that is co-Big West champion right now, and it's going to be tough because we did mention the Thunderdome, and we did mention how much of an advantage that provides. There will be no home court in Henderson, Nevada, up in this next week and the gauchos are just going to have to stick together trust each other that's all they got and maybe they'll have cameron and some of the true gaucho supporters right there on the sideline 
Cameron, I hope you don't have to go through what we went through again uh, with Long Beach last year. But we're going to think positive thoughts, good <laughs> thoughts. Um, yeah, Big West Tournament starts Tuesday, I believe, but that's not a gaucho problem. Uh, or, is it, or is it Wednesday? The the women's team plays Wednesday uh, uh, in the early afternoon, and the men play Thursday night. Uh, the men are, I will say, though, the men are lined up right now to play the winner of Long Beach State and Cal Poly, and Cal Poly has been uh, not very good uh, this year. We saw even last night they're down by three in overtime, and they went for a layup at the buzzer instead of a three-pointer, so that kind of just shows where Cal Poly's at this year. But, you know, once again, might have to see Long Beach again. And that the second, I mean, both of those games have really come down to the last to the last minute. So anything can happen. It, it is March. Max, I see a hand up that is temporarily frozen. What you got? Uh, if you can hear me, I hope you can, because this is what I've been waiting for. You know, the chance to talk about the Big West tournament here and, and Lucina Triore. This is a player who put up 22 and 20 just to, a, a, a night or two ago. So he's capable of being a, a real difference maker, wreaking some havoc on the boards. And on the offensive side, he's really impressive. Long Beach lost their leading scorer in Joel Murray. And they are poised for a chance to knock off the Gauchos for the second straight year. Cameron, it is a tough, tough route to the championship for UCSB. And I, I did some research earlier today. Hold on. Let me pull up my notes real quick because I was looking at – the, the Gauchos' schedule, they, they won so many games in conference play. A 24-win record is a program first. But you look at who they didn't play during conference. Bryce Pope was out when they played against UCSD in late, late December, 18.5 points per game. When they played against Bakersfield, Caleb Higgins had just gotten injured, 13 points per game. Zion Pullen was out when they played against UCR. Ben Leuchten out when they played against UCI, 10 points per game, six rebounds per game. You can go through the whole schedule, and the Gauchos had played against teams that were shorthanded. And then Andre Kelly gets in that UC Davis fight, and Kelly's suspended. The same day, KK Tong suffers that injury. Then he's injured, and UCSB is what we have on the broadcast, short bigs. Ajari Sani isn't 100% heading into the Big West tournament. So the Gauchos are now running a six-man rotation. And that depth, man, it was a luxury to start the year, and now it has plagued the UCSB. And that is what's really difficult to swallow heading into these next three days in March. This is something that we talked extensively about throughout the entire, or I'd say non-conference play on the Gaucho Sports Spot on uh, KCSB FM 91.9. We talked a lot about how this team, we saw early in non-conference play, you know, only playing seven players. KK Tong wasn't really in the rotation at that time. And I, I raised the question often is that, you know, what's this team going to look like if any of those seven guys go down and you lose, you know, because this isn't a team that has one scorer every night. This is a team that, you know, every night anybody could go off. It is Miles Norris and AJ Mitchell typically at the top, but you know, like you said, you know, lose a guy like Andre Kelly, lose a guy like Ajari Sani, and those things ended up happening. And like you said, you know, they they struggled for those three games. But, you know, since, you know, then they kind of got back in their role. And I would say, you know, players that have been playing big minutes in this in this last recent four-game win streak, Mattia Belic, Evans Caputo, they haven't been playing a lot, but they're playing around eight to 12 minutes a game. But I would say that, 
you know, a, a guy like Mattia Belich, he's he's really good off the dribble, surprisingly, for a freshman. And Evans Caputo is he he's he's a he's a big body down low and you know he's not something to mess he's not somebody to mess around with. All great points. All great points on all fronts. And uh I think pretty much the one sentence way of summing that up is that the tournament is a grind and things don't always go your way. So are you gonna fight through it and overcome it? Or is somebody else going to get hot at the wrong time and break your heart? But that's all to be determined. Gaucho men play Thursday night, as Cameron said. And let's talk a little bit about the Gaucho women who are going to start their Big West tournament journey a little bit earlier. So uh, let's just do the same thing we did with the men's team to start the show. Max, Bonnie Henriksen's group, what's your just simple package? Here's what you need to know. Well, I talk to Bonnie every week. I talk to her every week about this team, and we we analyze what the team's doing well and what they need to improve on. And what she can't stress enough is how important freshman Skylar Burke is to their rotation. It's a team that's led by Isla Lane, yet we rarely ever talk about Lane in those meetings because she's consistent. She will get rebounds. She will fight for those points on the interior. And frankly, at the very least, she'll provide a distraction. Alexis Tucker is a terrific scorer at all three levels and great at creating her shot. But this team needs energy. They need those those bunnies to hop in and play their best brand of basketball because talent can get you a good seed in the Big West tournament, but it's really the heart that'll win it for you, man. If, if, if you come out dull and, and, you, and you're not playing your best kind of game. You're not diving on the ball. First one on the floor wins the ball most of the time. If you're not the first one on the floor, hey, you're just not going to be, be able to win. And sure, there's some depth there, but it's it's players like Skylar Burke. It's players like Callie Cooper and Alyssa Marin who will win this tournament for the Gauchos. And in, while Isla Lane and Alexis Tucker might score the bulk of the points, I think the focus on you know those other three players is maybe – that that's where you can win or lose for this women's team. That said, Bonnie is my favorite interview I've done, you know, almost throughout my whole career. She's a brilliant basketball mind, and I have a real faith in this team this year. But don't count out UC Davis. They are on a hot streak. And for a team that won five championships over the last six years, I think they have a real chance. If you were to maybe bet some plus odds at a five seed, they are a good five seed to bet on. Yeah, you should have a lot of faith in this group. I am a big fan of Bonnie Henriksen and just not just as a coach, but really just as a leader and the way she encourages this young group of girls. Cameron, last year we broadcasted together the final game of the women's season, which was a tough one. They got off to a really hot start, as well as their opponent, UC Riverside, was scoring. And then really both teams for the next three quarters struggled to find buckets, You know, combine that with a lot of successful defense. And Riverside barely etched us out and sent us home packing. So we're hoping for a different fate this year in the Big West Tournament. Obviously, a lot of changes have happened around the conference, as well as just with the Gauchos themselves. So you got kind of a fresh start with this women's team, not just the games that you went to, but all the other opponents that came in and those girls that you were used to seeing play. What has stuck out to you as some changes and just what is your basic package of what you need to know? Well, I would say my basic package for this team is number one, they've seen everything. 
They have been up by 16 on one of the top 20 teams in the country. They have been down by 20 to a team like Hawaii and came all the way back. They've been up by 20 against Long Beach State on the road and lost that game. They Long Beach came all the way back. They've been in close games. They've, they've won by free throws against CSU Bakersfield at home. I mean, this team... I mean, they've they've seen the full court press. They really struggled against it. But then, you know, later in the season, they started to get better at it. They started breaking that press co- constantly, and then teams couldn't really use it against them. They have lost their last two games. But the next thing that I really love about this team is that every single player has had their moment. We talk about Sky Burke just a couple games ago, had 13 points, uh, seven rebounds, and four assists. But this team... it. Every player has had their magical moment. Alyssa Marin has had uh, a 19 point game. You can't turn on this team, turn on the television, and not see, and be like, "Oh, this is definitely their best player," or "or it's not their best player." Because every single player, you know, they just have these magical nights. You look last night, even with Anya Choice, career high 23 points, and Choice, who had you know at times this season really struggled from behind the arc, really ramped it right up, four plus threes, and just was the driving force keeping that game close at the end. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough road for them because they got to go play a UC Davis team that I, I, you know, frankly, they, they humiliated the Gauchos on their home floor. The Gauchos shot 28 more free throws than the Aggies and they still lost by 20 points. And it, it was just, you, you look at both benches and you looked at the UC Davis bench and they were just having the time of their lives and, I really hope with this team that, you know, they saw that and they're like, now, you know, this is business, you know, big West tournament. This is where it gets real. You know, both teams have had, you know, the Gauchos, they blew out the Aggies on their home floor and the Aggies did it right back to them. So now we get to see the neutral site and I I'm really excited for Wednesday's game. And Davis is a tough out with all the experience they have. Jennifer Gross does a fantastic job with that program they have been really successful, even with losing a lot of their seniors. And Max, actually a couple days ago, we were discussing the Aggies. And I know you think very highly of this group and that they should deserve the full respect of of going into this game. And it's not going to be an easy out by any means. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to expand on that with the upcoming matchup. Well, I think I think what's really interesting about UCSB's group is they can win or lose games in the final 30 seconds. And when it comes down to those last 30 seconds, that's that's what true gambling is, man. It, it can go either way. And this is a team that can that can really fall apart at the end at the end of a game or they can really come alive. So you really have no idea what's to come. That said though, Jennifer Gross in her 12th season with UC Davis has developed a, a formula that has not only worked but thrived. She, she's been to, once again, five NCAA tournaments out of the last six years, five straight championships during that run. But this year, they lost four starters from last year's team. That said, though, the reason that they weren't maybe highly touted at the start of the year is because they hadn't clicked. New players, new chemistry. The periodic table wasn't formulaic enough for the Davis early on. But once they got going, hey, man, this team is good. This team is good. And one thing that they don't deal with or they haven't dealt with is the injuries. You see Irvine has lost a couple of their best players to injuries and some bad ones. Like Hunter Hernandez, a leading scorer for an Irvine team that won the Big West, 
She's not playing. She's out. I think it's an ACL tear. Similar story with a couple of Hawaii's, Hawaii players. And, and you know, you look at the teams at the top of the conference with really good players. A lot of those players got injured. And UC Davis just hasn't had to deal with those injuries. They know what it takes to win in March. And Jennifer Gross at the helm, man, she is good. She is good. And maybe it's recency bias, but just the way that they have come alive at the end of the season – it's this stretch of games that really matters. I, what happens in November, man, toss it in the trash. Because how you're playing right now is really how, how your resume unfolds, you know, the rest of the season. So keep an eye. Um, I think that the Gauchos certainly have a chance to, to knock them out. But it, it's going to be a very, very tough game for UCSB. And frankly, this is not the role that the Gauchos and Coach Bonnie Hendrickson wanted heading into this tournament. By the way, I'll leave it at this. UCSB over the last couple of games, has been playing for their 20th win this season. It would be the first time under Bonnie Hendrickson that they've reached that 20-win mark, and they have not played in, in, in the likes of a 20-win basketball team. I think we lost you for a little bit at the end there, but one thing I do want to take that you said was the recency bias, and I think that applies a lot in modern sports coverage because people get so impatient and you can just get to your phone and tweet your opinion. But in March in basketball, I don't think it's a very big deal. In fact, I think it's valid because it doesn't really matter, especially in a mid-major conference. We're not one of the privileged power fives. We're not the ACC where you could be the sixth best team and get in as an eight seed and make a nice little run. Uh, so yeah, I, I think recency bias is totally valid when it comes to this time. Um, Max is still a little frozen on our end. The thing I wanted to end with is just if you have 30 seconds, I'm going to give you a 30-second window, Cameron. It doesn't have to be specific to UCSB, but we're just talking about March and basketball and getting in the spirit for your school. What makes this time special to you? This time is just so special because you don't know what can happen. You're just not – you don't know what's going to happen. It's – you know, the Gauchos could be down 20 points or they could be up 20 points and it could still come down to the last shot. You know, you look at the, the end of the game last year against Long Beach State. Long Beach almost ran out of time. They called a timeout super late. There was a, a second on the clock or just under a second. They still got the shot off. And when the shot left his hand, I knew I just had that feeling in my gut that it was going in. It's March. Like, what else can you say? But it's March when the ball goes up and magic can happen. It's going to happen. I was watching the Houston the Houston game earlier today, and they were on the ropes. But when he got the shot off at the buzzer, you know, a step inside the three-point line, oh, come on. It's going to go in because it, it has to go in. Max, what makes this time special to you? I think it's the adrenaline that pumps. And and for me, living vicariously through these these student athletes. You know, I, I, I was a student a couple of years ago, and I understand how hard it is to be a student, much less a student athlete and all that goes along with it. Um, so for them, all that glory, the chance for all that glory, the chance for the spotlight, and, and frankly, very much well-deserved a spotlight, um, I think that's, that's incredible. It's very exciting, and now's the time where – you know, you talk about greats, they can become legends. So very, very thrilling time of the year. I love it. Uh, two very different perspectives, but two very valid perspectives. And I won't even give my 30-second spiel because I don't think I can do better than that. I know I'm wearing UCSB soccer, and there's a reason for it, because this shirt carried the team to a Big West title for the first time in 
11 years it was back in 2021. So there you go, Cameron, you repping. Um, yeah, we are, wow, we got, like, got inside the 40-minute mark, which if anyone knows us three, you would think we had one topic that we talked about and just left it at that. So I'm very impressed with all of that. And, uh, you know, just want to say a huge thank you to you both. I hope that this gets not just you two, but all gauchos into what is to come next week. And like Cameron said, anything can happen. So yeah, maybe we're going to be crying on Thursday night when it's all over, but Hey, if that's the case, we'll be crying together. Rock and roll brother. Sco shows. Let's get it. Oh man. Greg, thank you so much for having us on. I wish my audio were better. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I long for it. Maybe next time. Hey, hey, listen, I caught the thank you, and we're going to hope that the audio gods did us well on this one. Um, Cameron, thank you as well. Thank you for having me on. This was really uh, just a pleasure to, you know, I love racking my brain about Gaucho sports because it, it's pretty much all I do. Hey, and look, the one promise I will make to you guys before I sign off is that if there's any issues with the audio or any of it's unusable, we're going to find a way to get this done, even if it's just short and sweet. So I really do appreciate it. This is like, like I said, it was my most selfish episode I've done so far because it's something I really, really wanted to do. I'm so glad that we made it happen and we'll have to do it again when the Gauchos make history and go to the final four. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Don't forget to check all of it out. We got a couple of really good ones coming, including another Feel Good Friday this coming Friday. But until then, you're going to have to sit tight and watch a lot of basketball. And I got to go see if Nick Celtics is still a close game as we're in the second half. So as always, keep screaming and thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.